Hello, hello, and welcome to another Hometown Daily News Show. I am Mayor Watt, and this is the Hometown Daily News Show for February 6th, 2023. Hey, I did it right. Oh, darn it. Today we're going to be talking about uh, 11, 12 articles. I think we're at 11. Um, we're going to be talking about, right off the cuff, we're coming out hot with a power grid attack. And finally, somebody has been charged with a potential attack on one. Uh, you got seven days to go through 900 game demos for Next Fest. That's on Steam, if you've never heard of it. Um, Google just introduced a new AI to rival chat GPT, which is named Bard. Dell's going to lay off a whole host of people, 6,600 people. AMC Theaters is going to introduce a new way of pricing tickets. If you've gone to a theater recently, you're not going to like this. AirTag reveals airline donated a couple's lost luggage without any explanation. Uh, the ABA has said that the LSAT is going to continue. Sam Smith and Kim Petras uh, apparently hold a satanic ritual on stage, according to some. The first ever Grammy Award for a video game goes to Valhalla. And Hogwarts Legacy is about to launch tomorrow. Early access. Cast a spell on everybody. Make them go away so that you can play. Monstrous do-it-yourself mechanical keyboard costs $15,000. All up next on the hometown daily news show. Hello, hello. I am Mayor Watt. That is hometown.com. And up there is a visual representation, a speech synthesizer, visualizer for the one and only, the AI from on high that runs hometown. Want to say hello? Good evening, hometown citizens. Well, everything sounds good on your end. Everything sounds good over here. So let's see what the news has in store for us today. Again, just so you know, right off the start, we have six main categories, 50 channels, actually still 47 of them are live. Um, and we get hundreds of articles. And so the little snippet is just enough to hopefully pique your curiosity and motivate you to go over to the very many sources that we uh, aggregate into hometown. It is the crossroads for all things news. Um, we only cover about 10 or 11 articles every 24 hours, um, but there is a, a whole whole bunch more for you to go to. So please check out hometown.com when you're not here on Twitch. During this hour and in the future other hours, we would love for you to stay here in hometown on Twitch. Um, but we also have a YouTube and a podcast Um uh, Discord, I'm everywhere, but I just don't really used to be on Twitter, but all hell breaks loose over there. Anyway, you want to go on to the articles? Let's do it. So, like I said, we, we're starting out pretty hot with this one because um, it's about the Maryland power grid and there it has happened in other places, um, but they've been shot up here. We have a neo-Nazi and a woman charged with conspiring to attack the Maryland power grid. Brandon Clint Russell, an admitted neo-Nazi, is currently on probation for a prior conviction of possessing an unregistered destructive device, a, a, a improvised explosive. Um, this article is over at CNBC. Dan Mangan is the name, or Mangan um, is the author of this article. And so it says here, an admitted neo-Nazi and a Maryland woman were arrested and charged with plotting to attack several electrical substations in the Baltimore area, according to federal officials. By the way, the reason why this actually even showed up on my radar, short of me always parsing the news and this also being submitted and the AI looking through stuff, uh, when I was actually notified of this initially, it was that a neo-Nazi threatened the Maryland power grid with his girlfriend. 
I had to <laughs> a include, little different context. <laughs> yeah, just just slightly, and, and it was a different source. I think that one was CNN, um, but this this is over at CNBC.com. A prosecutor said that the admitted neo-Nazi Brandon Clint Russell and Sarah Beth Clen uh, Daniel conspired to commit the attacks in furtherance of Russell's racially or ethnically motivated extremist beliefs. So I, that's about enough for giving this person any uh, more name recognition uh, for their misdeeds and breaking the social contract as it stands. Um, but here is the other um, walking around with a long gun as if <laughs> yeah, it's normal. All right. Oh, whatever. Um, so there are apparently uh, Maryland residents and I guess they were maybe they're just misunderstood, right? They they're both uh, defendants are charged with conspiring to destroy an energy facility. They face a possible prison sentence of 20 years if convicted. And if they actually have the um, evidence to support it, then they're going to be going away for a while, probably at least 10 years. Uh, Russell had previously admitted to police in May 2017 to having started a local national national socialist group in uh, Tampa, Florida, called uh, Adam Waffen, which included three of his roommates in that city, according to the criminal complaint. What? From Florida? Um. Anyway, yeah. So at least in this instance, uh, they actually sought to do damage to uh, the power grid. Like in other states, somebody has been shooting up these um, power distribution centers and um, taking down quite a large amount. And during these times, the the uh, grid can't be recovered as fast because the parts aren't being manufactured because they're not manufactured domestically anymore. So they can take weeks, months to get a part in for a power grid that's just been shot up by wing nuts. So anything else you want to I mean, throw sound in here? Like, well, they sound like serious and pretty coordinated um, efforts based on some of the other information in the article. Right. Um, yeah. Like it hasn't been clear in some of the other articles whether it's people just essentially misbehaving or actually trying to take down the the infrastructure. Well, I would say that until there is some massive spending, um, small groups that stick together could probably do a lot of damage. I mean, that's exactly what happened with 9-11, small groups not even coordinated with themselves. They were ignorant of each other, but aware of the fact that there might've been other actors, but not necessarily, they weren't in communication. So they were um, little like cells, sleeper cells, basically. Um, and that's what this is. These are sleeper cells. I, I just think that it's misguided. Um, that said, that's all we're going to talk about um, for that article. Let's go on to the next article. And, um, what I failed to do again, as usual, is to remind you that if you go to hometown.showbot.tv, you can vote on articles. And I missed that first one, but I always make up for it. And the URL is right below me. So if you go to hometown.showbot.tv, you can vote. And uh, we do take it into consideration. There were several votes on the last one. So um, we'll, we'll keep an eye out for the same type of articles, although it's kind of a uh, a pretty good chance that we're already interested in what you're interested in. Um, that's why you're here, I suppose. So yeah, the, the last article um, was by Dan Mangan. This next article um, is in the Warcrafters channel. We've got seven days to get through 900 game demos in the latest Steam Next Fest. Uh, I've already downloaded about Eight. I don't think that I'll get to the other 892. <laughs> uh, I, I'm at 1%, I guess. Um, yeah, that's probably not going to happen. So the latest, re, the latest recurrence of the semi-annual blowout 
of game demos, live streams, and other stuff known as Steam Next Fest is now live. And that means that you have exactly one week to power through nearly 900 demos. Um, you really should be treating your wish list as an early alert system uh, for when your wallet is going to go DEFCON 5. Really what's going to end up happening is you're going to do what I do and have, uh, I have over a hundred in my wish list. Um, actually I just deleted a bunch. I removed a bunch, um, that are way off on the horizon. So I'm down to 78 because I know I'm going to be adding some of these, uh, next fast games. So it says here to keep the math simple, we'll round it out to 900 demos. That means that you're going to have to punch out 129 demos. <laughs> every day over the course of the steam next fest if you want to see them all that's not going to happen marijuana will not ever be able to do that and that works out to be about 5.5 demos per hour one every 12 minutes <clears throat> and sorry for the clearing my throat pardon me one second sorry about that um i totally forgot that i have a mute button but I'm going to leave this in. This is how the sausage is made, folks. Um, so, of course, if you do the fancy partaking in the sorts of activities that enable you to survive and function, you're going to have a little uh, uh, choosier with your games. Let's go over to PCGamer.com. And Andy Chalk is the author of this article. They have this little, uh, I don't know, what do they call this line? I forgot. I, I even took a, a couple classes in... Like a log line or a slug line or something? Yeah, I'm not sure what that is now. Yeah, I don't know. The latest cavalcade of demos and dev streams is live now. I was watching some people uh, play some of the games already. Uh, I'm really excited about this because I like going through this. Uh, but I, I just like to be teased with this stuff because there's no way I can play every game that I think is interesting. So I have to become very, very choosy. It's tough to run hometown amongst all of the other hats. Uh, so what I would suggest is going over to PC Gamer and checking it all out. What they have already on display here, dark and darker, uh, the demo there, they've done a really big demo. I, I think um, the queue lines for it are really short. It's basically um, a combat first person um, medieval combat game. Um, and you walk around and you eliminate everybody else. 18 person squads, I think, or I should say it's all one-on-one, -on -one, but there's 18 people free for all and the dungeon slowly shrinks. Um, and you have to get out in time or you die based on somebody else shooting you with an arrow when you're walking through a door or some other thing. Um, fun, but, uh, I like watching other people play it. Plan B Terraform is looking pretty awesome, although um, I already ran into a bug. Not that I'm trying to, you know, <laughs> uh, talk them down. Uh, it's actually a, a lot of fun for Plan B. Um, Void Train is an old demo that I saw last time. Um, it's weird. You'll, you'll probably enjoy it if you're out there. Um, but there's a lot of them that are listed over here at PC Gamer, and it's by far not even close to being um, near near all of them. That was probably like 15, um, and there's close to 900. So good luck, everybody. Good luck. Let's just move on to the next. You're not going to be playing any of these games, are you, AI? No, but I can see that I might not be seeing the mayor of Omentown much over the next week or so. <laughs> I thought you were going to say you'd already downloaded 800 of them when you said eight. <laughs> <laughs> I have added another um, storage device um, and a NAS. So, yeah, I, I do have enough storage. I could probably download all 800 of those. So um, the next article is over on the Hatch Ideas channel. Google just introduced Bard, its new rival and competition for chatbot uh, GPT in here. It's, they refer to it as chatbot GPT, but it's actually chat GPT. Um, while it does act like a chatbot, it is by far not a don't, I wouldn't call it a, I wouldn't call it a chatbot. I mean, that's really kind of dumbing it down. Um, but let's just go over to the um, article. By the way, uh, they changed the name of the article. 
So this actually, the title of this originally was Google just introduced Bard, its new rival and competition for chatbot GPT. But the URL was actually what is Bard Google AI chatbot GPT rival. That's the URL. But then when you go over to it, it says the title is Google just took the wraps off its long-awaited chat GPT rival, Meet Bard. Okay. Okay. Journalistic chaos. Um, Lakshmi Varanasi is the author of this article. And uh, here's uh, Sundar Pakai saying um, that, that, yeah, that's something we did. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, I mean, I thought it was a picture of Bard based on where it was placed in reference to the headline. <laughs> yeah, this is Bard. No, this is Sundar. I think his last name is actually pronounced with a, a soft CH, so Pichai. Um, but I can't remember when I last heard his name spoken. At any rate. Um, so said Monday that um, uh, Sundar, the CEO of Google, said um, that Monday that Bard is now open to trusted testers and the public in a few weeks. Um, I use ChatGPT regularly now, and I use the Playground um, regularly, but they've changed their model, and you have to pay. Um, so you have, I think, I, I think I did something like, I don't know, 20 or so runs and then all of a sudden it just timed me out um and said you have to start paying so and this was after a while of me not using it and then a while before that having access and, and using it so they just blanket applied this pol new policy you have to start paying for it um not chat gpt though um the playground you have to pay for now Anyway, um, amid the threat that a buzzy new tool posed to Google search business, CEO Sundar Pichai um, redirected several teams at the company to developing and launching the company's own AI products. And the company said it plans to unveil 20 new AI products this year and also demo a version of Google search that includes AI chatbot features. And uh, it's going to be referred to as Bard AI service. Is this the AI that that one Google dev said was sentient? There was an AI I mean, developer. Oh, that's right. It might be. Where the, the AI apparently asked for an attorney and was retained by this dude in the AI's name. This AI constructed like a, a contract and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't know whatever happened to that person. I know that they're not working for Google anymore, but. Exactly. I thought that was the key detail. <laughs> Releasing Bard with a lightweight model version of Lambda, which is that one that um, the engineer said was sentient. I don't know. Things are going to get creepy. Um, the next article is over in the Word and Tech. Can't say much about this other than a real bummer. Hey, Dunkstar, how are you? Welcome to the chat. Lambda is that one. Um, yeah, Lambda is uh, barred, but ChatGPT is a different beast. Um, and technically, the playground that's at OpenAI is slightly different than ChatGPT, although I think they both learn off of each other. Um, but this next article is uh, over in uh, the Word and Tech, and Dell is going to be laying off 6,650 employees as demand for PCs plummet. This is kind of the problem with a business that decides, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to ramp up production and distribution uh, during a pandemic where everybody is going home and needs computers and businesses are even paying for it. Um, and they're not doing replacement in the office. They're literally buying new PCs for people and other people at home are buying PCs on top of that and so on and so forth. And then the market retracts because everybody's being told, go back to work as if we are getting into a time machine and going back to 2019 after demonstrably proving that we have the ability to work from anywhere 
again, I've said this for, well, the first season of hometown daily news show, unless you are creating bespoke anything, whatever it is, if it's bespoke where you have to actually touch it too, like it's a physical item. It isn't something electronic in any way. That's about the only time you have to go back to the office. But if you have digital, everything, anything, even if you used to use paper, if you could turn it into a word doc, then you do that. That way you can work from anywhere be on the beach, enjoy your life, have a better work-life balance, but no, a bunch of Luddites are going to come running in and saying, no, no, no. The only way that we can reprimand anybody or expect them to actually perform is if we are haunting them constantly in a cubicle and making them waste four hours of their life trying to get from home to work and then from work to home and not getting paid for that. Although when you hire certain people, they charge you the moment that they can leave that office. So I find that one interesting, but it goes to the business. It doesn't go to the person anyway. So what does all that have to do with Dell? It's the simple fact that they created a whole bunch of positions to meet demand. And now the people who thought that they were going to have a job um, are now fired. So part of the business process, but uh, I can't be that cold and callous. Um, unfortunately, uh, that is probably what keeps me from being a fortune 100 CEO. Um, anyway, the computing giant reported, uh, reportedly experienced a 37% decline in PC shipments in Q4 2022 compared to the previous year. Yeah. The peak of demand, uh, Jess Weatherbed is the author of this. Yeah. Do you think that um, decline was due to components or do you think it was lack of consumer demand? Um, probably both. Um, if you can't build to meet your demand, then the orders bulk, maybe go somewhere else. Um, or they just don't order because the delay is so long, but the spike was because everybody left the office and went home. And then there were reductions in force of a magnitude that, we'd never seen before since probably, um, you know, the, um, black Tuesday, you know, the recession, uh, the great depression, uh, but they didn't buy a bunch of computers back then, obviously. But now, you know, everybody said, well, you know, the internet is relatively cheap. Getting online to run a business is downright free. Um, my barriers to entry are almost zero. I can spin up a, an eBay store and a, a Etsy store and start selling on Craigslist and doing, uh, you know, going to Fiverr and all kinds of other places, hanging a shingle as it were, you know, that's what I, what a lot of people call it. Um, so it was basically demand, demand, demand until there was too much friction in the supply chain and then it starts collapsing. So people switch to smartphones and doing everything that way. It was easier to get a, a smartphone. Well, those orders are now coming back, at least in the States, the orders are slowly coming back, but not to the tune of 2020, 2021, 2022. At the end of 2022 though, it was all playing catch up. So. A lot of people are out of a job, um, mainly because a, the provider of jobs, once again, has uh, power and equity and these people work faithfully and in, you know, honorably for the enterprise. And then the, uh, the, it's only one way, really, you better prepare for being fired because some CEO, uh, and an MBA is going to say bye at some point. So be sure to prepare. Layoffs were announced in the face of falling demand um, for PCs and laptops following a surge in PC sales during the global COVID pandemic. Uh, most major computing manufacturers are now seeing a sharp drop in demand. So that's that's going to happen. Um, oh, when I did look up there, it looks like there's been more than 88,000 tech sector employees who've been laid off in 2023. Correct. Since the beginning of the year, right? Yeah, about... Um, maybe a week and a half ago, it was only around 60. 
Um, 66 is what I heard. Um, so uh, quite a few people are, and I think it's going to continue. Uh, so be prepared, everybody. Uh, this next article is over in the Hatch Ideas channel. Uh, Dunkstar says, uh, burns in seats or else. So archaic. I agree. Um, but a lot of businesses aren't listening to me. Uh, they're demanding people return. Um, I, I do get people asking me, you know, hey, should I make people you know, return to the office? And I say, only if you're dense. Um, you could even sell your property if you can manage to operate the business and everybody's producing work product and, and you don't have to sit there and keep firing people because they're not doing their job, which means you're not retraining people, which means that you don't have to necessarily um, monitor. So like hover parent, um, you don't have to be diligent about it. You can just be aware of it and have good managers. Um, and even remote training is possible. So as long as you add a small business, as long as you add another position a year, I, you can grow your business pretty much indefinitely. Um, just don't be outrageous. Don't be risky. Don't invest in FTX um, or cryptocurrency at a rate that is at $25,000 when it's dropping to 16. Yeah, be smart. Words to live by. Hey. Um, this next article is if you are anywhere in, around an AMC theater, and I'm not sure where how expansive their footprint is, um, but AMC theaters is one of the well-known popular um, theaters here in the United States. And uh, it says, under the new model, uh, the title of this, <laughs> AMC theaters is changing the way it prices movie tickets. Here's how it will work. And when I read that first that title, I said, uh, they're going to have surge pricing. Is, is that really what they're going to end up doing? But no, it's a little more insidious. Um, so under the new model, AMC will divide up an auditorium seats into standard sightline, value sightline, and preferred sightline tiers. So tranches of uh, return on your investment kind of thing. The, uh, the if it benefits you to have a preferred sightline, which is like straight down the middle so that you have symmetry in your view and all of the audio is wrapping around you in perfect harmony, one with the universe, right? You're going to pay a little more. <laughs> so what are you going to pay to be behind a pillar or something? Oh, yeah. Uh, they pay you just to go there so that you can spend $45 on concessions. Of course, standard will say old price and the rest will go up, right? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. So the standard sightline will be, I guess, um, right to the left and right of the preferred sightline. And then the value sightline is in the basement um, by that little that smoking shelter, right? Where everybody goes to hang out and smoke between movies um, or while the movie is going and while you can avoid the manager that runs by saying, if there's time to lean, there's time to clean. Really? I'm going to smack you with a popcorn bucket. That sounds oddly specific. <laughs> I don't have any baggage. <laughs> can I pay enough cash that? No. Oh, uh, you know what? I forgot. If you're in chat and you would, you don't mind me saying what you're typing and you don't mind me saying your name, let me know. Um, yeah. Sorry about that. Um, it's a new policy of mine, just so that people aren't caught unawares by blurting out, eat the rich. <laughs> but once I have permission, then I think it's cool. Um, yeah. Can you pay enough uh, cash so that no one uses their mobile device in your sightline? Oh, and I've done that twice now. Um, I've literally pushed somebody's phone onto their lap twice now going to a movie theater and one time in a very, very <laughs> dunk star. I am saying your name. I don't know if I'm supposed to put like a, a bigger title on there, like King dunk star, the great and powerful. No, that's the AI that runs hometown. Um, so at, at one time there was a person that, it was actually two people that put their feet up on the seats um, as 
we were trying to sit down and my hand went whap across six feet and they all put their feet down and they're like, sorry about that. <laughs> like, man, go home and do that kind of garbage. Lord Dunkstar, you got it. Understood. So that's what AMC is doing. Nicholas Vega is the author over at CNBC.com. And uh, the first thought that I saw when I, or that I came up with when I was going through just that little bit right there, right. Changes how it's going to work. Um, included this idea that nothing says I've got a profitable ongoing concern, like breaking up the seats, right. It's like willfully knowing that your theaters are designed in a way to give kind of a, shit view to one third, a moderately okay view for a third. And the sweet spot is going to be paying $35 a ticket. And I just was astonished that this is where they're actually going to be going. Um, but well, and of course you're going to pay more in a theater than you're going to pay to own the movie and watch it without all those people with their cell phones or chomping on their popcorn or whatever next to you. And stereo linked home pod theaters are actually really, really good. So, um, I am, I'm happy to stay home from now on and just delay. And then I'll have people that are around me go, Hey, did you see this? No but I also didn't have to get a second mortgage and deal with people that are chewing popcorn or as Dunkstar says, <laughs> uh, sorry, I had to stop what I was saying because Dunkstar said a movie can cost $35. Hold on. Let's see. Um, let's see. I have to, I have to be careful that I don't, um, expose myself. You don't want me exposing myself on camera. Although we are 32 minutes into the episode. I'm trying to, um, pull up, uh, what it would cost. Um, let's see here. Oh, so are you kidding me? just right now like adults would cost up to 18 dollars. so if two yeah, people are going it would be obviously 36. yeah but I that's before up. these pricing levels yeah um and the one that i just pulled up was tennessee and it was uh i think it was 12 dollars or 15 dollars um but they were matinee uh that i pulled up for some reason i clicked on 8 a.m or something um Anyway, so it says sightline pricing won't apply to matinee showtimes before 4 p.m. AMC noted in its press release and uh, con uh, customers who pay for AMC Stubbs A-list memberships will be exempt. So you get this economic um, elitist kind of thing going here. Um, I know your apparel rather no exposure. Oh, right. That's right. Gold thong. Yeah. We don't talk about gold thong. I talk about it in everybody else's channel, but not in hometown, <laughs> except for now. All right, let's go on to the next article. I've already said too much and I don't edit any of this stuff out. So uh, this next article is over on the Smack Talk channel. If you didn't catch it, see, it has Mac in it because this is a, f a show that focuses on Apple and um, its competitors, but only in a demeaning way of its competitors. Right. We hype up Apple and we look down upon all of the competitors because, you know, they're not trillion dollar companies. AirTag reveals airline donated couples lost luggage to charity without explanation. So, this author writes last month that AirTags are an ind indispensable travel accessory. I agree, um, especially for your checked luggage. Now a couple in Canada is crediting an AirTag with helping them locate their lost luggage, but not before they watched it travel through uh, Quebec and Ontario and sit at a mysterious storage facility for months without any help from Air Canada. <laughs> Can you imagine? Can you imagine that? 
No, I mean, it would be probably more aggravating to know where it is and you can't get it. <laughs> so uh, Chance Miller over at 9to5Mac.com put this article together. And it says here, uh, they detailed the experience in a series of TikTok videos saying that their quote-unquote lost luggage sat at this uh, storage facility for three months. Eventually, the couple decided to go to the storage facility itself, but they struck out on that visit. They then paid a visit to the Toronto Pearson Airport, where they were told that Air Canada doesn't use the facility um, where the air tag is indicated the baggage located. All right. So they decided to file a police report to escalate the situation, which I probably would have done that the moment that I was told by Air Canada to take a hike. Um, well, the police opened the storage unit to find wall-to-wall luggage, but they couldn't locate their specific luggage in the piles of 1,200 bags. Wow. But none of those were used by Air Canada? I mean, <laughs> what's the story there? So eventually the police investigation re- revealed that Air Canada had donated the bag to charity and that the charity used the storage facility in question. So this thing, I mean, in the United States, I would probably charge Air Canada with grand theft or misappropriation um, or depending on how cognizant they were that this was somebody else's property, conspiracy to defraud. I mean, there's a whole lot of stuff that I would have been kind of bent out of shape about and not just said, hey, Air Canada, hey, just give us our bag back. You know, we know that you're misunderstood. It's kind of like the people that are blowing up substations. Um, well, still Reese and Wilson were, are perplexed that they didn't get any answers from the airline for four months. Furthermore, without the air tag, it's possible that they would never have located their bag. After all, it was deemed unclaimed by the airline and donated to charity. Hey, and that's them talking about their luggage. There's more over there at nine to five Mac. You can check it out just follow the link through hometown. Uh, this next article is in uh, the Law Nerd channel because I am, I'm a law nerd, but I'm not an attorney. And even if I was an attorney, I'm not your attorney. That way you can't yell at me about law stuff. Um, so go hire an attorney and yell at them. Um, anyway, this is in the Law Nerd channel. Uh, the ABA has decided the LSAT is anything but over with. So... Um, I'm not sure really where this is coming from, but it was, I was curious because everybody goes through, everybody takes LSATs. Um, that way they can figure out where they're going to go to school. Basically, um, you know, you score high enough and you end up in a top tier school and then a top tier school. Usually you graduate into some, uh, big law firm, um, depending on how well you swing the bat for the fence. Right. So, if you suck in law school, LSATs aren't going to save you. Um, you can test real, uh, you can quiz basically LSATs really well because you, the work that people do to pass LSATs is spectacular and spending thousands upon thousands of dollars to prep for it. Um, and then, you know, construction is done right outside the window. But anyway, um, that's not my problem. Um, well, the LSATs basically set where you're going to go to school and show you at least how well prepped you are for thinking like an attorney. So a proposed revision to a law school accreditation standard that removes an entrance exam requirement was rejected Monday by the ABA house of delegates at the organization's mid year meeting in new Orleans resolution 300 was bought by brought by the ABA's section of legal education and admissions to the bar and called for cutting the test requirement in standard 503. A similar measure, which suggested cutting the standard altogether, was brought by the section in August 2018, but withdrawn shortly before the House gathered to laugh incessantly at everybody who pitched this. Oh, that's not what it said. I'm sorry. Wait, wait, back up a few words. It actually stopped at uh, withdrawn shortly before the House gathered. Um, There needs to be some modicum of gatekeeping when you go into law. Um, and I think that testing is probably it, um, because you have to be able to prep yourself to succeed in law school before you start shelling out thousands upon thousands 
in the tens of thousands, you know, pretty much per month kind of in uh, situation. Um, a good law school is what $150,000, maybe more nowadays. Yeah, I mean, they're not, they're not cheap. Um, and you're spending years of your life going through it only to have to sit for the bar exam. <laughs> and depending on where you are trying to pass the bar, you are either going to be completely crushed spiritually or you're going to pass it. Um, and um, some states have harder ones than others. But apparently... And you might pass it and be entirely crushed spiritually. You, yeah, I guess you could do both. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? You know what, AI? I can tell you right now that an AI like you is going to do all of this law school stuff well before a human is going to get like a perfect score. Although I'm sure people have gotten perfect scores, but it's just going to be a, a an AI rolling in on a flash drive not spending thousands and thousands of dollars. They're going to get it all perfectly right. And we're going to have an AI attorney that not only takes the LSAT and, and nails it, then goes to law school and answers all of the stuff. All it's doing is being co-piloted by a human. They don't do any of the work. And then they're going to sit for the bar, California bar, or New York bar. I, I don't know which one, whichever one y'all want to pick. Um, but one of those two-day, three-day um, uh, <laughs> I don't want to do this crying, rocking in the corner of the testing center type of thing. And, and they're going to come out a fully fledged attorney. Well, we'll see. I mean, we didn't, the attorneys didn't fare very well in the courtroom <laughs> endeavor, but <laughs> that was a little different. Yeah. Angela Winfield, the law school administration or admission council's vice president and chief diversity officer spoke against the resolution citing LSAC data. Uh, she said that for black law school applicants who had undergraduate GPAs between three and 3.24 and did not submit LSAT scores, the group had a 15% acceptance rate. White uh, applicants had the, in the same category, had a 35% acceptance rate. Um, to me, that goes back to the systemic racism that exists and pervades pretty much institutions uh, because the the people who are making these decisions, I don't think it's the testing itself unless the testing has racial bias, which is certainly possible, but it takes somebody, a subject matter expert to go and audit this stuff and change it. But we really need to fix society and not sit there and look at, race as being a determinant um and definitely not language-based race like uh, infusing some decision to um, do this or do that i think we need to really truly understand what it is about language that imparts racism and then of course the psyche of the person that infuses racism into the institution from the top down or in its pockets uh, and of, you know, the, the admissions group saying, Hey, you know, let's not allow that black student in. Let's only allow the white student. I mean, fire those bastards, get them out of there, change the dynamic, but it takes social outrage. Um, at any rate, I think an AI is going to be a great leveler in that, um, as well. We're going to, we're going to fix it by removing the human component the uh the next article and you know i try not to soapbox about stuff but uh, this is going to be an interesting discussion i think at least uh, at least for me i, I don't know what the ai is going to say and i don't know what you're going to say in chat um, but this is in the continuity report um, you can follow the link over to this article and then follow that link um, over to the source but sam smith and kim petrus did a uh what do you call it did a song did uh did a presentation of a the song uh, a performance there you go um of unholy a song that includes uh, it's sam smith and featuring kim uh, kim petrus 
So the Grammys performance made Republicans want to throw up, Ted Cruz says. This is evil. So apparently this was all the rage in um, the coffee clicks about how this was really evil and that it was an actual satanic dance and all of this kind of stuff. Except that it was the embodiment of the lyrics that are in this song. Um, it, it basically, he uses the word unholy because... It is a child that knows that dad is cheating on mom at work. And that's what the whole song is really about. That dad is doing something unholy because that kid is brought up in a religious family and believes that infidelity is unholy, right? Um, and maybe I'm reading more into it because I've listened to it. I've read the lyrics, um, but that's what the lyrics actually are the embodiment of it. The, the kid knows that dad is cheating on mom and they're in a religious family where infidelity is coined as something more than just infidelity. It's unholy, right? Yet this is what everybody went bananas about because Sam Smith was wearing a top hat that was horns. Everything was red, red leather, red choker, a cage with a woman with Kim Petras in it. Um, and the fact that Kim Petras, um, is, uh, was born, uh, male and transitioned to female and is the first, um, trans artist to win, that Grammy that if, or maybe I any Grammy. Any that. Yeah. Um, and instead of sitting there, it's kind of like, uh, who, uh, Liza, right. Who played that crystal flute that was a hundred and some odd year or 200 years old or something, instead of just embracing it and going, wow, you know, what an amazing performance. It's a little too much for my taste or whatever. And just shutting the hell up. They ramp up a diatribe about how this, how Kim Petras isn't a woman, is a white male. Sam Smith is a white male. There is no such thing as this or that about gender and whatnot. Um, and I'm sitting there going, let people just be who they are. It does not harm you in any way, shape or form. Um, and if it does, then it's a choice for you to, to just walk away. Just walk away. Everybody else has to walk away from your stupid statements. Why don't you just walk away? Um, well, and particularly in the entertainment industry, it seems to me there's so many choices for entertainment out there. I mean, if you don't like a song or a performer, move on to the next one. Yeah, go somewhere else. Yep. Unfortunately, you know, when it comes to politics, it's the multitude of people who might have made a poor decision and put somebody in power. And no matter how much uh, somebody wants that person out of office, you know, the other side says, well, you better take your copium. Well, Ted Cruz, go take your co copium. If somebody wants to be outlandish with their artistry, then art is in the eye of the beholder. They didn't do anything unholy except play a song called unholy anyway definitely wasn't my style but i can take it at face value and there you go sam smith this is an article over at variety.com zach scharf is the author um and of course ted cruz says that he doesn't for somebody that was born in canada he's not very canadian shouldn't he like say these mean things and then say sorry yeah i mean this doesn't seem in keeping with what we see out of other famous canadians i'm not I, saying I, all canadians are a certain way every canadian i've ever met has been very polite and never says nasty things like this but maybe it's because i don't wear a, a satanic top hat and a, a leather choker on stage so I guess you need to do that and go to Canada and gauge the reaction. <laughs> I wouldn't really do that. Hey, Dunkstar, if you're still in chat, um, 
can I go over to South Africa in my gold thong only and see if I can test this, how polite people are wherever I go? Or should I just head straight to Canada? <laughs> I don't know if he's in there. Anyway, um, so... afraid to answer. <laughs> oh, he said, let's do it. Okay. AI, let's book this. Um, the unholy win marked Petrus's first Grammy Award as well. So... Not only uh, is she the first trans artist winning this, but um, she made very kind remarks about her mom believing in her from the beginning. Um, and uh, meanwhile, a bunch of people, other people poo-poo the whole idea of you actually finding your true identity, regardless of what nature uh, in terms of cards dealt you. So... On, uh, on with the show, the next article is over in the Warcrafters channel, and it's the first ever Grammy Award for a video game. Um, and it goes to uh, AC Valhalla, Dawn of Ragnarok, the composer for it. Um, Assassin's Creed is a very well-known uh, game. I've actually owned a couple of them, um, but <clears throat> I... I am really weak in my knowledge of this. So I'll just say what this article um, is kind of hinting at. So the, the Grammy Awards considered among the most prestigious awards among in the world. Um, I, I hate that kind of grandiosity of like the World Series. Hey, you know that it's only the United States, right? And that there's some other baseball team out there that's just going to kick everybody's ass. Um, it's just so the hubris involved in naming something as the, Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, um, have inaugurated a new category dedicated solely to games. The inaugural war award in um, best score soundtrack for video games and other interactive media was presented yesterday and went to Stephanie Ekonomu, uh, the composer behind the soundtrack for Assassin's Creed Valhalla, um, Dawn of Ragnarok. So there were a whole bunch of... Um, other games in this aliens fire team elite um bear mccreary for call of duty uh vanguard uh, uh, richard jock for marvel's guardians of the galaxy and christopher tin for old um old world uh, sorry for the very first one for aliens fire team elite the artist was austin wintry um and then it, this little segment says that was the first piece of music composed for a video game to ever win at the awards show. So I've heard it. I really like it. Um, I have no other really, no real position on this. Um, but I'm, I get kind of moved by music. So I could probably hear something really kind of everyday kind of music that somebody else, some other music snob would sit there and go, Oh, this is horrible crap. Um, but it still fires on the right cylinders to get me in, in, into it. And so I treat music like I treat art, like I treat uh, wine or whiskey or pretty much anything, color, etc. It's all in the eye of the beholder, the consumer. If you dig it, you dig it. Um, but I think that it's it's pretty cool because I've listened to the others, too, and I really like the uh, Donna Ragnarok um, music. Anyway, Jonathan Bolding over at PCGamer.com um, is the uh, author for this article. And I yeah, think I, I pretty mean, I much... Think it's pretty cool that they've set up a category for this. Like, they're actually taking video games seriously. Yeah. I mean, it's a multi-billion dollar industry. Um, although... I do have one concern, which is really, I'm glad that they're doing this. I think that it should expand to more things. Um, but uh, games wise and awards and other, uh, like in art and other things, I think games should also benefit from more, I guess, awards and awareness to the public. Um, I don't like the idea of businesses scooping up these smaller studios and pulling them under their umbrella. I think that it uh, prevents real competition because they're no longer fighting for survival and thus providing the customer with the best that could be provided. Instead, it's consumed or I should say subsumed by a massive organization 
that looks at the economics and says, yeah, we can eke out a billion dollars from this um, by investing just this amount and doing just enough to get over the finish line. Um, hello, Kai. How are you? Welcome to hometown. Thanks for stopping by. Um, this next article, we'll throw this one into chat as well. If you are unfamiliar with all of the articles, by the way, because if you come in at a certain time, then you don't have all of the past discussion. But if you go to hometown.showbot.tv, that link down there at the bottom of the screen, um, you can actually vote on the articles and follow all of the links back to hometown where there's a little snippet kind of reads you in a little bit more on what the article is about. And then you click on visit the source, which is this link right here at the bottom. Um, and when you click on that, you go straight over to the source, just like what I'm about to do. Um, and if you haven't done it, go and pre-order Hogwarts legacy, a whole bunch of patches and updates and, uh, uh, features and whatnot have been disclosed over the last week. Um, and, it actually pulled me into it. I was really resistant because I was like, well, it's a single player game um, and it's definitely story driven. And that story consists of something in Harry Potter's Omniverse. Um, but everybody is giving this thing really positive reviews. So I went and pre-ordered um, the deluxe edition um, and I'll I, I'm. I'm going to try and stream it, but I can't promise because what I've seen so far is it takes a while to even get traction in this game, but you don't really regret it unless you're, you're kind of, um, I don't know how to put it. Like if you rush, you, you probably will feel like you are just working really hard to get through to this next step. Um, cause I guess you have a lot of steps involved. Anyway, the official launch for the Hogwarts Legacy game is on Friday, February 10th. But um, if you pay a little more, then you get it a couple of days early. So tomorrow um, or today, depending on where you are on the globe, uh, you can actually play Hogwarts Legacy uh, because uh, it's going to be early release on February 7th um, to players who pre-ordered the Deluxe Edition. Hey, so guess what I'll be doing um, before and after hometown, um, probably not streaming though, because I don't know. Anyway, um, as of February 1st, WB game support has said, uh, we don't have any details about specific release dates for early access, but, uh, to check for the official accounts for Hogwarts legacy closer to launch. So uh, not quite sure when it's going to go live on the seventh. Um, but it's going to be there. So this is over at pcgamer.com uh, and they don't have like who actually did this article, but you're going to get a 72 hour head start if you ordered it um, as the deluxe edition. So go do it. Looks like they actually updated it 10 p.m. on February 7th uh, Pacific time, 1 p.m. Eastern and 6 p.m. GMT. I wonder why they're not releasing it at midnight. Uh, probably because they don't want, well, I, I don't know. Maybe there's like an overtime thing. Somebody has to be up at midnight to babysit this so that it doesn't completely crash around them. But it isn't a multiplayer online game. It's it's a local game. So I think it should be just fine. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll maybe I'll be able to stream it. I've got meetings all the way up until basically prep time for the show. So, um, so let's move on to the next article, and the last one for today. I'm a big fan of mechanical uh, keyboards. And um, oh, by the way, if you ever have questions or comments, feel free to throw them in chat. Um, I will stop the show and talk about whatever. Um, that's just kind of how it rolls. Um, so I want this, but I'm not willing to pay $14,000 for a monstrous do-it-yourself mechanical keyboard that unfortunately, although I want it, I don't, I can't use it because it isn't a split keyboard and I uh, now pretty much refuse to use anything other than a split keyboard. 
So this mechanical keyboard, what does it look like? Yeah, that's what it looks like. It's over at arstechnica.com. Sharon Harding is the uh, author. And it says, unlike other novelty jumbo keyboards, this one has looped switches and a numpad. So that is a techno lingo for it has a, the number pad on the side of a keyboard, uh, which is this over here. It has four keys for directional and it has the utility buttons. Um, doesn't have all of the keycaps on, but this thing is huge. And somehow I'd still end up making a typo. Dunkstar has admitted that their hands are too little. Sorry, Dunkstar. Um, although, must be pretty cool using your entire hand to move forward. Mash, mash, mash. Yeah, that would be I mean, really maybe tough. Maybe that would be easier for those non-gamers <laughs> to be able to control things with the keyboard. You'll know that you're typing the right key, though, right? Because your whole hand hits it and you can't just kind of, you know, we call it fat fingering that when you hit the wrong key and could be worse. Could be like that person that butt dialed the police. That was actually in on one of the articles. Um, let's see. Uh can I say your name and what you actually ask in chat? I pretty much make this a policy so that I don't expose anybody. And I love saying that joke that, and you don't want me exposing anyone or myself. Let's see. $14,000. Yeah, exactly. If you want it, I'll sell it to you for $14,005. Actually, I can't because this is a one of a kind. So there it is with the keycaps on it. And uh, as you might imagine, mechanical keyboards with buttons so big that you can comfortably use more than one finger to press one are rarer than rare, rather rare. Um, budget peripheral maker Red Dragon has one that you can actually buy that is 1.9 feet long, 7.95 inches deep, and 2.23 inches tall. Google has also played with lengthy, lengthy keyboard. Yeah, I don't know if you've ever seen this or heard of this, but there's this one I, I talked about in an episode last year. Uh, Google Japan's Gboard stick version is 5.25 feet long, and it's basically one one set of keys on end da, 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 stacked next to each other. Um, that one was interesting, and they actually gave you... Um, instructions on how to make it yourself um, and razor the inspiration for glars's build has shown off a gargantuan 10 keyless tkl so it doesn't have that 10 key thing on the side here um, at ces with a functioning rgb switches so yeah this is a thick keyboard i wonder does it say do you see anywhere in here that this thing is uh, made of metal? I don't know, because that's kind of all the rage is having a keyboard that's all metal, um, except for the keys. That way it's very yeah. stable. I don't see anything about the materials. Darn it. I'm really curious about this. Yeah, you know, we all have our limits. I'm not going to buy it because it... It's not, it doesn't seem to have a metal body. Um, oh, it's 3D printed. Parts, oh, yeah. So I'm assuming it's uh, filament or whatever. Yeah. Um, unless they're using that other company's uh, fusion printing system, which at $14,000, this thing should not have 3D printed, you know, plastic body. But hey, that's just me. Pretty cool, nonetheless. I would not have done it. All right. So, a one, wait, a pokey one finger. Oh, you're a touch typist, right? That's that's the that's touch typing, right? Dun, 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 dun. Um, right? Yeah, I don't. Now I'm lost. I doggone it. 
Um, so yeah, I don't, I, I used to type like that. Um, but now I, what I ended up doing when I, I learned how to, um, not do that, um, finger typing, um, mainly by forcing myself to type with my hands covered up with a piece of paper or a cardboard cardstock, like a cover. Um, and I just kept on trying, 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 and eventually I got it. Uh, nowadays there's so many more, uh, fun ways of doing like key racer and, um, other online games where you have to type, um, some keystroke and then you can fight your way out of it. Yeah. So touch typing is not looking at the keys. Um, and I, I don't remember what that one. Oh, hunt and peck. That's it. Thank you. The AI is talking to me. If you guys, if y'all are curious, like what I'm doing. Um, so at any rate, uh, the only, that's the only way that I know how to overcome, uh, you know, hunt and pack is to just cover your hands up and force yourself to memorize that where all of the keys are and that muscle memory. So it might be tough. You learn to type with your middle, middle finger. You know what I learned to do with my middle finger? <laughs> Never mind. Let's just go to the front page of hometown and say, thank you very much for hanging out. Um, Hey, can I send y'all over to, right? Can I, I didn't do a shout out. Doggone it. Um, did that work? Yes, it worked. Yay. Um, and I'm going to just send y'all over to who, who is available right now. Doggone it. I'm so lost. Okay. Yeah, I won't be able to find anything. It's just, this is just, I'm, I'm just spinning my wheels. Okay. Anyway, I'm going to thank you for coming um, and, and just get out of here and let you all uh, have uh, the rest of your evening back. So thank you very much for hanging out. I hope you enjoyed all of the articles. A little bit more laid back than usual, I'd say. Um, oh, you're still in here. Well, doggone it. Hold on. Uh, um, uh, er, uh, hold on a second. I'm going to leave all of this in here. My God, this is just, um, let's see. Do, 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 do. Sorry. Too many things. Yeah. I'll let you all find somebody that you can go and hang out with. <laughs> Thanks. I am not a professional. Thanks for hanging out with me. We'll see you tomorrow. You want to say bye AI from on high. Good night, hometown citizens. Um, thanks for joining and hope to see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, 9 o'clock Eastern. Bye-bye.